Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. See, when the audience is there, it's easy to serve the Lord. But when you get in those desert-like experiences and maybe nobody's thanking you for what you do for the kingdom, then we see where your heart really is. Then we see if you really are in ministry, are you really willing to serve the Lord and be real and serve the Lord because of who God is, not because of the applause of the people? Because I'll tell you something, after a while in ministry... After a while, people will stop applauding you and people will stop telling you how wonderful you are and all of these kinds of things. That, that stuff, will, and you know what? It'll get old after a while. But will you serve God even when people don't applaud you? Will you serve God when you're in those desert-like experiences? Why are you in ministry? Why do you do what you do? What are your motives? The desert experiences will cause you to get real about your motives in ministry. And I have seen so many, many people fall by the wayside because their motives weren't right. And that was revealed when people stopped thanking them. Or people, you know, or, you know, well, Pastor Ronnie used to like hang out with me and other pastors used to say hi to me, hang out with me and all this stuff now. There's so many people coming to church, they don't even talk to me no more. It's like, darn those people. It's like, well, you are one of those people. Well, all those people are getting in my way. People have this kind of mentality. You see? So when there's an isolated experience or you feel like you're in the desert for ministry, are you willing to serve the Lord and just be real? The the, the, The backside of the desert will reveal that. Moses had to get real in the desert and realize that it's not all about me. Secondly, don't despise the desert experiences because it is a still place. S-T-I-L-L place. It is a still place. When you're in the desert, listen, it's not busy. No cell phones, no beepers, no blackberries, no laptops. No Nintendo, no PlayStation, no X-Man, none of that stuff. (laughs) No PlayStation, no no X? Box. (laughs) I'd like to have one of those, actually. It's not, it's not all cluttered with those things in life. It's just you and it's God. It reminds me of Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, what? Be still and know that I am who saints? God. I love that verse. You see, it's a blessing 
just to slow down sometime and be still and know that God is God. Just slow down and be still. You know, it reminds me of a story I recently read. And this is a true story. In a newspaper in Tacoma, Washington, and it carried, listen, this story about Tattoo the Basset Hound. Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut his leash in the door, in the car door, and took off with Tattoo still outside the vehicle, he had no choice. A motorcycle officer named Terry Filbert noticed a passing vehicle with something that appeared to be dragging behind it. As he passed the vehicle, he saw the object was a basset hound on a leash. Officer Filbert described what he saw. He was picking them up and putting them down as fast as he could. (laughs) Speaking of Tattoo's feet, he chased the car to a stop and Tattoo was rescued, but not before the dog reached a speed of 25 miles per hour and he rolled over several times. The dog was fine, but asked not to go out for an evening walk for a long time. (laughs) And sometime in life, isn't it true that sometime in life, I don't know about you, but, but I feel... Like I'm just picking them up and putting them down, picking them up and putting them down, picking them up and putting them down. You know, God says sometime, okay, time out. Let's go into the desert for a time out. Let's be still. Don't despise the desert experience. Thirdly, if you're still tracking with me, don't despise the desert experience because it's a quiet place. It's a quiet place. No distractions. In the desert, everything gets reduced to you and God. Everything. This is the place that you can really hear from God. Saints, that's why when we have retreats, it's good to go on them. Have you ever been on a retreat and you get away? Isn't it amazing how you hear from God on a retreat? And, and, and oftentimes, you know, we go on a retreat and go, oh, God really spoke. Oh, God really spoke. Oh, man, we were up in the mountains and God really, really spoke. Well, listen, I don't think God spoke, wanted to speak any different at a retreat than he does with you here. The problem is when you're here, the cell phone, the Blackberry, the X-Man, I mean Xbox, all of that stuff gets all of your attention and God is trying to yell, but that stuff is so loud you can't hear him. God doesn't speak any different than when you're you're on a retreat. You think, oh, this was so wonderful. God spoke and God is up in the mountains. God is not up in the mountains. God dwells in the midst of his people. Amen, saints? And What we need to do is be still, be quiet, get in a quiet place, and hear from God. So don't despise the desert places because they're good, they're important, and there are things that you can hear and learn in the desert that you can't learn in Egypt, that you can't learn in Club Med or any other place. That's why we're not to despise the desert. And here's the best thing about the desert. You ready for this? The best thing about the desert is God is there. That's the best thing about it. God is in the desert with you, just like he's with Moses. So Moses is on the backside of the desert. And notice in your Bibles, we just read it. The angel of the Lord showed up. Look at verse 2, the angel of the Lord. Saints, we call that a Christophany. A Christophany. 
What's a Christophany? That's the word for the day. That's the, an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. An appearance, notice, the capital A, angel of the Lord. An appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So the Bible says that the angel shows up in a flame of fire, in a bush. But the bush was not consumed. And Moses says, I'm going to move in a little closer. Notice in verse 4, when he turned to see, God called him from the midst of the bush, which tells us, saints, watch this, that the angel of the Lord is God. Look at it again. Verse 2 tells us the angel of the Lord. You see it? Say amen. And then in verse 4, it says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush. We learn right there, the angel of the Lord is God. God said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. I wonder if Moses thought at that point, I cannot believe I'm talking to a bush. (laughs) I can't believe it. Moses said, here I am. And this must have been pretty shocking for Moses. I mean, think about it. It's strange enough to see a bush on fire, and it's even stranger when the bush knows your name. <laughs> he said, Moses, Moses. That's interesting to me. Now, listen, you can't miss this because, you know, you know, here's something for you. Did you note this? It was when Moses turned aside to see, that's when God spoke. Did you notice that, saints? When Moses turned aside to see, that's when God spoke. Saints, listen, I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to people and they say, Rodney, I really want to know God more. I really want to know God more. And I say, well, well, great. You can know as much about God as you choose to. Hey, you, you know, I haven't seen you in church lately. Hey, come to church. Uh, can you come to church? You know, come on Wednesday night. And they say, well, you know, Wednesday night, you know, I can't, I can't, can't come on Wednesday night. I gotta watch American Idol. I mean, <laughs> okay, well, uh, hey, well, come to church. I haven't seen you walk me. Come to church on Sunday morning. How about Sunday morning? Well, you know, the boys got soccer. Well, wait a minute now. If you're not willing to turn to see, how is it that you expect to hear from God? Did you note that? Moses turn to see, and that's when God spoke. God speaks when we turn to see. The promises of God, the Bible says, are yea and amen. Here's some promises for you. James chapter 4, if you're taking notes, you write this down. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently, the Bible says, will find me. You see, these promises tell us that if we seek God, we will find him. If we turn to see, we will see him. Would you note that? If we turn to see We will see him. God didn't speak to Moses until he turned to see. God didn't speak to Moses until he had Moses' full attention. You see, saints, that's why I tell you all the time, when you come to church, be ready to hear from God. 
I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, and I try not to let these times be too often, where I've come to church and I leave and I didn't get much out of it. That's happened. And, and, and it's not because God's not speaking. It's because maybe is it because I didn't turn to see? I didn't come ready to hear? You've got to come to church. Don't you know you've got to come to church purposing in your heart to hear from God? Because if you don't, I'll tell you what, you won't. If you come to church thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to go to church and get this over with, and after church I'm going to get me some chicken nuggets, and, uh, you know, I just can't wait to get out of church, so I'm going to get me something to eat, and, you know, I'll go. And then all doing church, you think about, man, I hope Chick-fil-A don't close, because I'm going to get me some chicken nuggets, and uh, there's one for you. And, uh, and, you know, I just can't wait. You know, you got your mind somewhere else. I tell you guys all the time, Saturday night, I don't want to do anything but sit quietly with the Lord, be alone, have time to pray, have time to read the word, get my mind and my heart ready for church. Because when I come to church, I come to turn to see. I come to hear a word from God. And if you come with the heart to hear a word from God, listen, the Bible says, God says, if you seek me, you will find me. That's God's promise to you. So, we are left to conclude that if we don't hear a word from God, whose problem is that? Whose fault is that? Is that God because he's not speaking? No, it's us folk who ain't listening. You understand? You got to turn to see. Anytime you want to know about God, anytime you want to know about God, God promises to speak to us. Anytime and every time. So every time you come to church, God has something to say to you. Every time you open your Bible, God has something to say to you. Because the word of God, this is God's word. And every time you read it, that's God talking. And when you pray, that's you talking to him. So you pray and talk to God. You read the Bible and he talks to you. And you have a conversation with God. Anytime you turn to see, God will speak. That's what we learn from Moses. As he turned to see and God said, Moses Moses. And then God told him, notice in verse 5 in your Bibles. Then God, go ahead and look at it. Look at, look at it. Verse 5 says God told him to do two things. Number one, he said, Moses, do not draw near. Moses, keep your distance. Don't draw near to this place. Literally, that means to stop coming closer. The implication is this bush is burning and Moses is going in closer and closer to get a kind of up close and personal examination, which Moses better than me, because if I see a bush burning and talking, I'm going the other way. <laughs> I don't understand, folks, you know. Well, well, it was a, I thought something was in my house and I had to go see. I'm over. I had to go check the closets and I had to go see what was going on. Listen, if I think something's in my house, I'm leaving. I don't mind getting out. 
I'm leaving. I'll get my car and go somewhere till I think it's gone. <laughs> say, say, man, you know that's right. Folk be looking in the closets and hiding under the beds and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, it's something weird. I got to go. Moses, he's drawing close. I don't understand that. God said, stay back. Don't draw close. And then the second thing God told him to do, notice God said, Moses, take off your shoes for the place where you stand is what, saints? Holy ground. I love that and so do you. Now you need to understand something. There was nothing holy about the desert. You know that. There's nothing holy about sand. There's, there's nothing holy about these things. What made the place holy ground was the fact that God was there. It was holy ground because of the presence of God. The place was holy because God is holy. And where God is, there will always be holiness. And God said, remove your sandals because the poor, here's why God said, take off your shoes. Because the poor and the needy and servants have no shoes in those days. And I believe, here's my speculation, my white space interpretation, my opinion. I believe that God is setting things right with Moses. I believe that God is putting Moses in his place. And God is saying, look, you're in my presence, you're in my house, you are my servant, you are poor and you are needy, so take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. I think that's what God is trying to teach him. You're standing on holy ground. By the way, this is the first time the word holy is used in the Bible. Interesting. Holy. Holy. You know, one of the best definitions I heard of holy, you can look up tons of definitions and you, you'll probably get them right. But, but listen to this. This is one of the best definitions that I, and simplest definitions that I heard of, of holy. It, it, and it goes like this. That which is, what is holy? That which is God and that which is not God. That which is God, I thought that was great. That which is God and that which is not God. That which is creator and that which is creation. Everything falls into these two categories. The creator, God, and everything else. Have you ever thought of that? That's why we can say definitively that God is separate. Separate than what? Everything else. Now that's holy. God is separate. There is the creator God and then there's everything else. There's Satan, demons, angels, spiritual realm, human Animals, creation, all of the things that we see, there is God and everything else. God is separate. God is holy. Moses, take your shoes off because you're in my presence. And where I am, it becomes holy. That's why the Bible then follows up in the New Testament and says, saints, you are holy because the presence of God lives within you. That's why you're holy. You're not holy because you're good. You're not holy because you're wonderful. 
You're not holy, wives, don't say too loud, amen. You're not holy because you're great. You are holy because the Spirit of God lives within you. You are the temple of the living God, and thus you are holy because of the presence of God. And nothing changes. This sanctuary is holy because God's presence is here. Mo, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. Moses, get it. Buy a clue. They're not your people. You don't have to kill them. Kill the Egyptians defending my people. Moses, they're my people. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and they have heard their cry because of their and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good land a large land a land flowing with milk and honey that simply means that it's a prosperous land a prosperous land it doesn't mean it's like milk all over the place I just learned that today. Or honey all dripping from the walls. No, it simply means that the land they're going to is going to be prosperous. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and all the otherites. (laughs) Now, therefore, in verse 9. Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, God says, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, underline this, and I will send you to Pharaoh, Moses, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Again, Mount Sinai, the place where God has given the law. Give me your attention, if you will. Notice God says, I've seen the oppression of my people, and I heard their cry. But the interesting thing is, the people that God is speaking to, get this are not aware that God is seeing. They are not aware that God hears. They're not aware that God is preparing to move. Remember, at this point, they are under affliction. They are under the whip of the taskmaster. And they're crying and they're saying, God, if you love me, then why are we going through this? And God, what's going on in my life? God says, I see, I hear, I know, and I'm sending, I'm coming to deliver. But they know nothing about it. Isn't that just the way we are? God, why am I going through this? God, why is this situation happening? God, why am I tested here and trials here and tribulation here? And God says, I see, I know. And I'm going to deliver, dot, 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 in my time. Oh, no. Oh, yes, in my time. They have no idea. God is completely aware because they are his people. He's watching, he's listening, and his heart was touched 
with their pain. So God says, I know their sorrows and I've come down to deliver. And notice God says, I know. Then he says, come now, Moses, and I will send. Look at chapter two, verse 11. Look at chapter two, verse 11. God says here, I will send. Now look at chapter two, verse 11. Look at it. Just one chapter back. Look at it. Verse 11. You're there. Say amen. Look at this. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he what? He went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating the Hebrew, one of his brethren. See, notice that. Chapter 2, verse 11, Moses went. Big difference now. You see that? Moses went. And here in chapter 3, Moses is now sent. You see that? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.